Hello and welcome to the program. Rich and Lori are originally from Chicago and the surrounding suburbs. They relocated to South Florida in 2010, and they have been active in the area, enjoying a climate that allows for more pleasurable year-round recreation and activities. Let's see and or hear what Rich and Lori in South Florida have to share with us about where to go and what to do. Hey, good morning. Welcome to the Rich and Lori in South Florida podcast and YouTube channel if you're watching this on YouTube. My name is Rich, by name only. I must be Lori. <laughs> and that behind us is Annette. Get it? Annette? <laughs> oh, God, it's going to be a long podcast. Listen, that's the only thing that's been scripted in this podcast so far. So the rest of this, we're winging it. Wish us luck. Where do we start? Uh, Saturday, no, Saturday, today's Saturday. Thursday, this past week, we took our bikes, and those of you that know us, we bought e-bikes, electric bikes. We took them, put them on the back of our Jeep, and we went out to Chrome Avenue, and our intentions were to stop at the market stands where they sell fruits and vegetables, and we ended up seeing or visiting orchid growers. Now, I've seen a lot of orchids in my a lot of flowers in my life, but never orchids. And I didn't know orchids as a business or a hobby, but these are some of the most beautiful flowers I've ever seen in my life. What do you think? They were gorgeous. We only went about two and a half miles on chrome. And within that two and a half miles, we saw at least four different places that sold orchids. It's amazing. This is if you're an orchid person, you really need to come to South Florida because there are Dozens and dozens of orchid farms. And this one, it was, was like a warehouse filled with nothing but orchids. They were hanging, they were standing, some of the most beautiful colors. And, and the people that were there are obviously orchid collectors, the customers, the growers were there. We look forward to maybe doing one of these podcasts and interviewing the growers. But I'm telling you, we could have spent the whole day there. They were beautiful. Yes, one particular farm also produced honey, and I, I'm not quite sure whether they produced their own honey or were selling for a farmer friend, but it looked awesome. I was wishing that we had our bike rack so I could bring a jar home and enjoy some honey on toast. It's just amazing the things that the people do there to make a living and keep it established for multiple generations. Yeah, and in addition to honey, one of them had a little restaurant where they served the tamales, we were looking for tacos, but this particular grower didn't have a taco stand, but they did make tamales. And I remember tamales from Chicago. They used to be round. Well, these tamales were kind of square and flat, and they served them in this little tray with sprinkled onions on top. And my God, they didn't look good, but yikes, they tasted wonderful. That's because it was filled with butter. Ah, and somebody here likes a lot of butter and um, says that butter is like the staple of life. I should have known. Hey, I said e-bikes. I know a lot of you said, oh, e-bikes, you're getting old. Well, e-bikes <laughs> are kind of, they're kind of cool. You have to pedal them before they work for you. So they don't go anywhere unless you pedal. And then there's an electric assist that takes over and makes pedaling easier. So you can ride a long way. And I think we rode about 10 miles that day, just going up and down Chrome between the four, I think Lori said four, yeah, between four or five of the orchid places that we saw. And we were only on 
on the east side of the road. There were just as many on the west side, but we just concentrated on one side this time. Yeah, what's interesting with pedal assist bikes too is that you, if it's a windy day, you can pedal just like there's no wind. You just turn on one of the pedal assists and you can pedal into the wind. It's no problem at all. You, where you don't have to say, well, it's getting really windy. We should head back home. It's not a problem. Yeah, I guess the only problem with the bikes we have right now is we have no way to carry anything. So we're going to have a couple of racks put on the back so we can put things in the bags and even ride it to the grocery store to pick up small things. But it's a great way to get around here. It saves gas, that's for sure. And you get exercise at the same time. It was a little, it was a little chilly and windy when we were out there. But as Lori said, these things are easy to pedal. So we could have, we could have easily spent the day out there. Yeah. Some of the places that we visited also created concrete sculptures. There was one particular monkey that I thought would be fun to have in our courtyard. Do you remember seeing that monkey? Yeah, I do. They kind of reminded me of the see no evil, hear no evil, say no evil kind of monkeys. They were really beautiful. And I think, I think they do their own pottery too. These things couldn't have been brought in from anywhere. I think they were made right there because in addition to the monkeys, they had all of those containers for growing plants. It was just breathtakingly beautiful. Yeah, they had this one particular farm had these huge containers. They had to be at least six to eight foot tall. They were square and they had vines like indicated growing up the side that were a different color than the container. I'd love to have one in the courtyard, but we wouldn't have much of a courtyard left then, would we? No, they were, they were pretty big. And in case you're gonna ask, uh, no, I don't think I could make one of those. No. Anyway, for those of you watching the YouTube channel, you can see them in, in some of the pictures we're displaying along with this podcast and YouTube presentation. But they were they were beautiful. And I really liked that one area that had the pond. There was a pond right on the property and a, a sprinkler in the center of the pond. And next to the sprinkler was this beautiful Anhinga bird. Those are birds here native to South Florida. They have very little oil in their wings. So when they sit, they usually spread their wings to dry them out in the sun. And it was beautiful. And you remember that turtle, that, there was a turtle on that rock. And I think, again, we had pictures of that we can show you too, or you're seeing now on the YouTube channel. Yeah, I wonder if they use that pond for irrigation purposes or it's just runoff, but it was pretty nice area and it seemed very serene. Do you remember the place that we went that had the little demonstration or the little area with all the Buddhist kinds of etchings and it looked like a little uh, garden kind of religious thing where you would maybe meditate in front of it or a meditation garden? I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, there was a lot of that connected with these orchid farms too. There's such a diverse group of people that are involved in these things we don't speak Spanish. In fact, I didn't hear much Spanish being spoken there. It was mostly all English. And the people were just so nice and so welcoming. And we, I think with a camera, the next time we go out there, we're going to interview one of these people and, and, and let them tell us about how they grow these things. And I, I don't know much about orchids, but I would assume they're seasonal, aren't they? I don't know. I think that they bloom once or twice a year, depending on the orchid. But they, down here, you know, we only really have one season. It's sun. Yeah. So sun. things could grow all year long down here. Yeah, sun, hot, and humidity. I think in some of our upcoming channels here, there's so much to show you. We'll talk about a, a few of the things we're going to 
we're going to devote episodes to at the close of this. But again, we our intentions were to go out there and, and uh, enjoy the markets where they grow fresh vegetables and fruit. One of the fruits, I didn't even know coming from Chicago that there's two different kinds of oranges. There's squeezing oranges for making juice and then there's eating oranges with a thicker skin. And we ended up with a bag of juicing oranges that were that were just delicious. Yeah, several times and I did a little research and I'm known as the research maven. If you squeeze oranges and you drink it right away, it keeps all of the the vitamin value but if you squeeze oranges and you put it the juice in the refrigerator in the next 24 hours you lose about 25 percent and for me i don't like frozen orange juice or from concentrate i love freshly squeezed orange juice in the morning and six little oranges will make just the right size glass i think we're running out of season right now though because i saw at the farmer the market this morning i didn't see any oranges there yet but we're going to check it out later today yeah, we bought a squeezer, an electronic squeezer. So all you have to do is cut the oranges in half and squeeze them or, or juice them, I guess, one at a time or a half at a time. And we determined, what was that, six oranges to a full glass of orange juice. And there's nothing better than drinking it right out of the squeezer. Yeah. In addition to the flowers, a lot of these farms also had, in addition to the orchids, they also had other kinds of flowers. They had trees. Some had herb plants, and I'm a big herb gardener, and I can't wait to go back there. And all of them just looked like they were in such great condition. You can tell that things were grown right there versus being shipped, and there's such a demand for kind of freshly grown things these days. I can't wait to go back and plan next year's garden. Yeah, this is an agricultural capital of the world, again, for vegetables and fruits. And although our intentions were to go out there and talk about and film and uh, make the first podcast about uh, fruits and vegetables, this, this orchid thing was just really a surprise to me. Again, we were on the east side of the road and on the west side, while we were on the east side looking across Chrome Avenue, there's, again, as, as many growers on the other side. So I don't know, in addition to the next one we do on the fruits and vegetables, maybe we'll Stop at a couple more of those growers out there and see if we can't interview one of them. Can we get a milkshake? I saw a sign that said milkshakes, tea, and you pick. Yeah, that's another thing out here. There's a couple of places. One of them's very popular. It's a tourist attraction named Robert is here. That's another interesting story about an entrepreneur farmer that turned his little piece of land into a into a a monumental place that everybody in the country knows about, and they make the most incredible milkshakes of. They must have 20 or 30 different flavors, and it doesn't matter when you go there, there's a line around the building to get into to get a milkshake. So, yeah, that'll be one of our stops, too. Do you remember the apiary that we went past? Yeah, bees. And, yeah, yeah bees. we saw bees yesterday on our way to the Everglades. Yeah, that's another thing. Bees are used out here to pollinate plants, and when you drive past the huge tomato fields, there's beehives everywhere. And in fact, if you're driving, 40 or 50 miles an hour on the road, you can hear them uh, splattering on your windshield. There's just so many of them, but I guess they're so necessary here. Yeah, for pollinating some of the vegetables. That was awesome. The, also, what we saw recently is just off of Chrome, there's some large one acre or maybe more than one acre development of homes going in. And I believe what I read about most of those homes or some of them is are building them optionals with their own pools. We 
toured a couple of them and from the outside and they look great and right across from those houses those horses so you can go from farmer's market to house to horse all within a half mile isn't it just pretty cool yeah in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic a lot of people are going to be moving from the midwest and the north coming down to florida and it seems like they're they're building to accommodate this influx of people there's just housing developments and townhouse developments and condominiums they're just growing like mushrooms they're all over the place do you remember we also saw snow yeah somebody had taken uh, artificial snow and put it around the base of their trees and their bushes and it looked it really looked like snow from for those of us that remember it from being up north it's kind of strange though to see it down here yeah yeah i have to give kudos to whatever department of transportation built that bike path there's a bike path along where a sidewalk would normally be. So it's not a bike path that's on the side of the road, which is what I don't like to ride on. Even though it's a well-marked bike path, I still freak out when people beep their horn or get too close. This bike path on Chrome is a two-lane bike path where a sidewalk would be, and it is just perfect. It has smooth ramps for going out into the roads or any going over any kind of uh, drainage areas and I don't know what the length of it is from top to bottom but we hope to ride the whole thing before sometime soon. Yeah in addition to our two-wheel bikes there were four-wheelers out there <laughs> and it's a dashed two-lane road so there's people and, and traffic on both sides but it's it's very controllable not busy not dangerous whatsoever but it was just a great time. Yeah, I wish that they put more parking out there. On the east side of the road, there were looked like a few places where you could pull off and there was maybe four or five parking spots. On the west side of the road, all we could really seem to find were basically commercial building parking lots. And we did find one to park in where the, the business was closing for the day soon. So we thought we would be safe leaving the Jeep there and, and riding our bikes from there. But it would be great if some people, some of the businesses along Chrome Avenue would take advantage of the bike path and offer things that bikers would want to have, maybe more milkshakes or snacks or places to sit and rest or water bottle fill-ups or restroom stops. But I can see where over a period of time, Chrome could really become a very popular bike path. Yeah, we certainly encourage anybody in the Homestead area to just take that road north take that ride north on Chrome and take a look at some of these facilities. What do you think? You want to put the cork in this first episode? Yeah, I think we pretty much covered. Oh, one last thing. Okay. I, we have to talk about one of my favorite places out there that we saw to, while we were on our trip is Robbie's Feed and Supply. Oh, yeah. Well, you handle that. You've got more experience with that than I yeah, do. Yeah, one of the first places when we moved here I wanted to go visit was Robbie's Feed and Supply, which sounds really weird because we don't have any animals, pets, horses, or any kind of agriculture. But it's just a really cool store, even if you don't. They're, they have little trinkets and things. If you have a friend who maybe does like Western items, I found a cute little uh, saddle, a keychain that I sent to a friend of mine. She loves it. It just smells good in there because of the feed and they sell hay outside. and. It gives you just a sense of living in the country. All right. Well, that said, uh, we're going to cut this one short. You can look for upcoming episodes on things like we're going to talk about Everglades National Park. In fact, last night at 730, we went out to Everglades National Park and they had a, a an outdoor program, <clears throat> excuse me, in their amphitheater. Talked about well how things survive here in the Everglades. 
We're going to talk about Biscayne National Park. This is the only area in the country where there are two national parks within three miles of each other. We're going to talk about some shooting, handgun shooting. There's a range out here that we'll introduce you to. Naturally kayaking, which is something Lori and I do a lot of. We'll cover an episode on hiking and on biking. Geocaching, if you haven't heard about geocaching, that's really interesting and fun. Get a lot of exercise and it's kind of adventurous. We're going to talk a little bit about the Toastmasters organization. We'll introduce you to some of the restaurants in the area. The Nike Missile Base, which is a leftover relic from the Cuban Missile Crisis during the Cold War. We're going to take you out to the alligator farm. There's over 2,300 alligators that live on this farm. That's kind of interesting. We'll introduce you to some photography opportunities, the markets that are along Chrome. That's in addition to the orchids that we talked about. Some drone flying. I'm a drone pilot and... I am too. And you know what else I want to do that's not on your list? What's that? It's something that everybody who comes to Florida wants to do. Can you figure it out? No. Did you ever watch Gentle Ben? Gentle Ben the bear? Uh-huh. They had airboats in Gentle oh, Ben. Airboat rides. We that's need to right. do an airboat ride. Yeah. Everybody wants to do an airboat yeah, ride. Yeah, that's for sure. Here. That's for sure. Great thing. Great thing you mentioned that. And lastly, we'll introduce you to some shopping areas. We have the Falls Mall, which is beautiful. And there's some other malls in the area, so we'll take you around and show you some of those. And with that, uh, what do you think, Lori? You want to wrap this one up? It's a wrap. All right, it's a wrap. So until next time. Thank you for watching and or listening to Rich and Lori in South Florida. We hope you have enjoyed the program and that you will come back for the next episode to learn more about where to go and what to do when your travels bring you to tropical South Florida. If you would like to sponsor this program and get special attention on your place of business, you can contact Rich and Lori in South Florida at 630-642-6500. That's 630-642-6500. 